Welcome back to Not Alone, a podcast about faith, mental health, and how the church can bridge the gap between them. Today, we're joined by a very special guest. Joining the podcast with us today is Dominique Johnson. Dominique is a pastor, a campus minister, and an entrepreneur serving in Macon, Georgia. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Not Alone podcast, the podcast that explores faith and mental health and three people's pursuit of the depths of their own ignorance. We are so, so very excited to be back here with another special episode with you. Just a quick note, if you've been following along with all of our episode lists, this one's going to be a little bit out of order. You can always listen to each podcast standalone, but because of some of the events currently going on in our country, we have a wonderful opportunity to have a very special guest on this week to address some of the challenges that have been going on in the United States and some of the ongoing discussions and how it relates to faith and mental health and what our role can be uh, to really interface with the country that we care about so much and how to influence and understand our culture and the differences that we have a little bit better. I am joined just like every week by Lindsay Geist and Michael McCord. I will allow them to introduce themselves. I am, of course, Evan DeYoung. I don't even know if I said that earlier, but that's fine. So Lindsay, you want to introduce yourself, and then Michael's going to introduce our special guest. Hey, everybody. It's Lindsay Geist. I'm an ordained Methodist minister in the North Georgia Conference, as well as a licensed clinical social worker. I've spent years working with churches and nonprofit organizations uh, to help navigate change conversations around mental health and uh, to find their way through crisis. I'm Michael McCord and I too am an ordained Methodist minister. I've been serving college students now for over 20 years and it's where my joy and passion live uh, is to help young people discover themselves so they can go out and make a difference in the world. And uh, early in my career I started off at Mercy University where I had a chance to meet Dominique Johnson and we got to hang out together and became good friends. And, and I just admire his, his character, his humanity, his, his humility, and, uh, and his sense of humor, too. Uh, and Dominique, is, uh, he's a campus minister. He loves college students like I do. He's an entrepreneur. He's uh, a pastor of a, of a new church start that he's building. He is also a yoga expert. Um, this man has it all. And uh, we're honored to have you on here today, Dominique, so we can have some, some real conversations about all that's going on in the world and, and how we can be in better relationship with each other. Yes, Dominique, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, once again, I'm Dominique Johnson. Let me do a fact check. I'm not a yoga expert. <laughs> <laughs> we're fact checking early today. <laughs> uh, I am Dominique Johnson. Uh, uh, I'm the... Uh, father of two, the husband of one, Andrew. My kids are uh, Joshua and Kirsten Johnson. My son's 15, my daughter's 11. I pastored a church that I planted eight years ago named Kingdom Life. Along with that, I have a nonprofit called the Urban CEO. The Urban CEO has become kind of my brand uh, that people call me the Urban CEO, but really the CEO is an acronym that stands for a Community Empowerment Organization. At the present moment, I will be Coming back in working with Agape, which is a campus ministry at Mercer. And so that's a little bit about what I do. Also, I like to mentor. Uh, I do have a, a for profit business called Seeds Global, which I do uh, leadership development, coaching, and, and that type of thing. Um, so that, that's, that's a little bit about me. Uh, I'm pretty sure we'll dig deeper 
as we go along. Has it really been eight years? Man, it eight, seems like yesterday, like, man. Eight like yesterday. playing the church, and it'll be nine in January. So That's awesome. Yeah. Also, with the number of things that you listed that you are doing right now, I yeah. am so grateful that you even had time for us in your I schedule. Am, good people like Mike, and of course, as we were kind of talking a little earlier with you, uh, good people like you all help, help me. And I couldn't do this. Let me say this. I couldn't do this, of course, without the help of my, my family, my wife, of course, but I also have a great team around. I have a great team. And Dominique, one of the one of the really cool things I saw you do in the last couple of years was was help to launch a, a credit union, community owned credit union. Yeah, what in- we're trying to do is it's not off the ground totally. We are working. Um, it's tough because if you look at it, what we want to do is is help fight in East Macon. It's be called the East Macon Federal Credit Union, and so it'll be minority charter, and minority charter and low income designated. What that does is give us the ability to get uh, certain donations. From people who don't necessarily have to be in our sphere of um, of membership, and so what that would do, Mike, when you if you come to certain parts of town, particularly in East making it fights what we call shadow banking, and shadow banking are, are those things uh, you may know, but just for the listeners, mm-hmm. uh, shadow banking is those things like uh, title pawns, the liquor stores who would take thirty dollars out of a hundred dollar check, and so we want to help serve the underbank and the unbanked. You know, there's many of those who live in um, poverty or working class or the working poor who whose credit may not be the best so they can't get a regular checking account. So that's one of the social justice things we're doing. My two areas of social justice outside of, if you want to say social justice issues I like to deal with is, is of course, education and economics. So I think those are the two outside of the gospel that's going to change the hood. One of the things I say is this. I say, if you're going to change the hood, you need the Holy Ghost and some money. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're some money, baby. You know, Good life right. philosophy. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you give people, you, you open up the door and give people a way to, to do that. But I do believe that education uh, is also key. So, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I think I've always admired about you is your commitment. I think we met, I'm trying to think through, through. so I, when I was at Mercer, I, I got involved with the Mercer Center for Community Development. I think that's somehow yeah. got connected to you and what you were doing at Upward Bound there. And I just think, I think, so was, uh, Pete, was it Peter? Um, Peter, yeah, Peter Brown. Peter Brown, I think it was that. Did you ever do one of those, um, man, things that John Dunaway did during the summer? Uh, I forget, he had a bunch of faculty of people who worked come during the summer and we talked about issues of faith and, and that thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We, so, we had yeah. some good, it's, that's kind of how we got connected. And you've always been uh, just committed to your community. And I think that's one of the things I really uh, admired about your work. Uh, and, and if I can just sort of speak a little, frankly, just for people who don't know Macon, Macon's got a kind of a convoluted and complicated history and present. Uh, race, yeah. race is a, um, you know, I grew up in Metro Atlanta and I, I, I'd, let me let me say I won't just say from the beginning I've experienced racism from the from my very earliest age. I mean I, I was born in South Georgia. I, I've lived in the South my whole life. Um, I've experienced racism from the very beginning, but I never experienced it quite like I did till I moved to Macon. Hmm. Uh, and and the divide that that exists there, the challenges that exist there, that the the systematic uh, institutionalized racism and stuff that we live in Macon, and that's kind of what you really have pushed up against and, and really fought to, to make some changes. And um, I, I just, 
I wonder if we could give a little setting about how you see Macon in, in the work that you're doing and, and the issue of race that lives out in, in your community. Yeah, I, I think, I'm going to coin this term, it's definitely not true, because nothing is nice about racism at all. So let me use, uh, maybe I use, uh, I won't say nice, I won't use it. I use covert, very covert. So what happens is people will meet, have lunch, lunch with you and all of that. But what happens when you go back and talk about spreading the power or, or having something with the least of these or whatnot, that's where you see it come into play. And so what happens is that's why it's tough for people even to see privilege sometimes. Because what they feel is like, I'm not doing anything about you. I'm not calling you the N-word. I'm not telling you can't go here or there. But when it's come time for the economic piece or the opportunity piece, that's where you see it played out with a lot of time, even with some nepotism and, and those things. So give you a, a, a clue of how making making is. And let me say this. I will give it props that there's a, there's a young group. Mike, I think if you were to move back, I know we probably can't get you back. But there's a young group of, of, of whites and black who are reaching across those lines now, who are moving, trying to move forward. But it's still very old guard, some some of it, but it's old money. If you think about it, making this in the middle, man, dead slap in the middle of the state. There's no way we should be having the issues we're having with the two major highways coming through. And so when you start looking at things like the school system and those mm -hmm. things, you have to start yeah. wondering, like, okay, what's going on here? One of the things, Boyd versus Bible Education was in 1953. So you had earlier, uh, I'm thinking about your fact check, no, but... It's 53, pretty sure. Uh, I could be wrong, fact check it, though, uh, Evan. But you, so if you got 53... 54. 54, thank you. I was wrong, my man. So if you go and you look at it, we probably didn't integrate maybe, I think Bert Beaver was one of the first ones to integrate, but talking to my father the other day who graduated high school in 73, he said maybe 70. So you're talking about 16 years really for it to really move, or, or maybe a little earlier. So now you're talking about that, then you see the proliferation of all these, like, like private schools. We had mm -hmm. one private school mm -hmm. prior to 54. One, it was Mount Sales. So Mount Sales, they tried to get Mount Sales to pass. I'll leave it at that. But there are some blacks who were going with that who was like, woo, it wasn't as they made it. But to, to get off that question, I want to uh, carry it. I, I definitely want to continue the conversation. We probably at one time had, for our population, we probably have six public schools now, high school, and probably just as many private schools. I mean, that, right. that is yeah. crazy. I mean, you think about you got Mount Itself, LPD, Stratford, Tapno. And I'm not saying everyone who goes to those schools, let me be clear, or, or race of this and that. People ultimately have to make the best choice for their children. But you also have to think these schools didn't show up until integration. So the, so the original the original purpose of some of those schools, uh, most of them are, are, are that. So you're dealing with that now. You're dealing with some of that. And, 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 and that's it. So for, for give everybody a landscape, that's what it is. I mean, you think about, you have a pop, our population maybe, even combined, we may be 54, 55% black, but most of our, the you know, the, the uh, local officials and everything, it, it's sometimes majority, majority, majority white, those things as well. Yeah. I think you brought up a good point that so often communities do things in sneaky ways. Yeah. So, um, and ways that, unless you are paying attention, 
people can find ways to come up with excuses for it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, oh, all these private schools exist uh, because we just need to improve education. Yeah. When in reality, that's not often the goal. No. The goal is to make sure that we're keeping white people together. I mean, that, that, that was the goal. Once again, they weren't, uh, back then there was no knock on education. Now you making do that as an excuse, but the truth of the matter is the origin. Mm -hmm. Let me say this to y'all. I, I graduated literally 20 years, literally 20 years after my father. He graduated, and my, and my mother. They graduated in 73, I graduated in 93. Tell them my age, which is good though. Literally, y'all, the yearbook from not from I call it the Northeast High School from the Northeast High School goes from probably 40, 50 percent white to literally when I was when I when I graduated 20 years. Now we all have lived long and know how 20 years go by fast. Mm. Literally, we probably y'all in my senior class may have had. If we had 20, I'd be surprised. Right. We had 20 white people I graduated with. I could be wrong, but I don't remember there being 20. I remember the, that, the, the cool ones, that, but you see what I'm saying? So you go yeah, and then like 20 home. years later, my mom was a teacher at Northeast. Okay. And, and there was hardly, I mean, she probably counted on one hand. 98, 98.8% black. Yeah, yeah. So you had, you had white flight. Mm-hmm. You, my dad won most popular, and it was a white lady who won most popular, right? But I mean, they, they, you know, you have she won for the females. He won for my dad said man, he was funny because I think even though they were kind of integrated, and Northeast was big too. He was like, man, I hadn't seen that. We had to talk about it about a week or two ago. He said I hadn't seen her too. I showed her to take the picture. <laughs> And my dad was popular. He was a basketball player. All that. He was like, man, I, just, I didn't never saw that good. You know, you got to my dad old school. I ain't never seen that good. So I showed him the picture. But yeah, so yeah, yeah, man, stuff like that. It, it's, we call it, uh, yeah, neatness. We call it the hood. You call it what? Say that again. Sneak dissing. That means yeah. I'm dissing you, but I'm doing it sneaky. Yeah, you know sneaky. What I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. It ain't yeah. even in the open. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna get a whole um, vocabulary <laughs> That's right. That's what we need. That's what you shared language. That's like a yeah, big language, language yeah. is like a big barrier in in issues like this because yeah. we, that 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 can we we had a conversation um, before we started talking about sort of labels or language. Uh, one mm -hmm. of those is uh, I think it's important to talk about here because I think it it's helpful for uh, for people to have real honest conversation about race. And one of those is like the difference between black and African-American mm -hmm. comfort levels and, and, and using the, that, that language. Um, I guess this stems from my experience in, in Macon as the first time I ever heard that there was, there were times there are some people who prefer black over African-American for, for lots of reasons. But one of those is that they said, you know, African, it was like, it was saying, I'm not fully American to say mm -hmm. I'm African-American is I'm not, it's like a hyphen. I'm not yeah. fully American. And so like, so they, they said, you know, I'd rather you just call me black. If you're going to call me something, mm -hmm. call me black. Cause gotcha. I'm a, you know, but I don't know what, what would you say to our listeners about, you know, that kind of language and how, how, how are we supposed to start having those kinds of conversations? Well, I think it depends on where people are on the journey. Like as I was speaking with Lindsay earlier about it, it's okay to ask, 
Right. Hey, I just want to be safe while we having this conversation. Which do you prefer? Some people are gonna be like, you really look like I don't just as long as you don't call me out my name. I go either or that's kind of how I am. I do understand both aspects though. So like I told somebody, I don't know how many um black or African American people you have listening. So please don't chew my head off. <laughs> but like for me, I can go either or because I understand like the context behind it. I think I think as we were talking about it earlier, I may prefer black. I don't know, but I understand trying to get to the context of the origin of where I'm from. You, you understand? So so it may be it may sound better in a government government setting or something. Me, I, I can deal with black, and I can understand why some may be like, well, we don't want to say black because you know. You got Mexicans or Cubans or whoever can be black, but you know, so that, but that's a, that's a very good, good question, I think, to some people. Some people who are really like just doing the work and at the end of the day just want to be treated fairly. Like, usually the one, just, 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 just make sure you treat me like a human, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that's, that's what it'd be. And, um, let me say this, it also goes to, when you talk about the construct, racial construct and all that thing, right? And so when you look at it, there was one time, uh, I don't know, De Young, I don't know, uh, what, what's your what's, what's your native origin you think, Evan, do you know? Like, yeah, what, uh, my grandpa was born in Italy. Okay. He came over through like Ellis Island in like okay, the got early you. 1900s. So, so right and now, Dutch and German. So it's like, what De Young is, De Young is Dutch though, which is okay. from my father's side, so. Yeah, but see, right there, you can trace it. You you yep. literally can trace it at least to a country. You, I can't trace. I'm not trying to be funny. I can say African, but those who can't see me, I'm light skinned So somewhere there's some there's some there's some European blood in me somewhere. Mm-hmm. Somewhere there's some Choctaw or some black, some 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 Creek Indian in me. So I, but but the majority of me is black. But I can't go and say what tribe I'm from. I can't right. go and say what even what country it's on. You know, like if we go to ancestry DNA or that, they may be able to narrow it down, but I'm you know what I'm saying? So now you're talking about dealing with identity, you're talking about dealing with culture, you talk you're trying to find all of that in the land that we were brought to. Right. And, and hey, yeah. <laughs> you brought us here then tell us to go back. Yeah, y'all brought us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's somewhat as crazy. I don't want to get too far off, off tangent. With that, but I think in the end of the day, it's like I think that's why uh, Lindsay and Mike and Evan, that's why that's such a that can, uh, think about that. We get uh, issue. I don't have to call. Oh man, he's German. Uh, but that's how people was were were related to. If I would have saw Mike, I would have said uh, the white guy. I say it now, but I would have said where he's from. That was mm-hmm. how you identify. But I would have said where he's from. He's the Irishman. He's a, if you would have saw me back in 1450, you would have said maybe the Negro or, or just straight the African. But when you come to talking about systemic and now you start making laws for people, you have to now say white, Anglo, Saxon, Protestant men can only vote. So now, back again, that's how the system starts. You start making up the rule. See, what happens is you, you make a rule, we meet the rule, now you got to make another rule to, to include people out. So mm-hmm. I want to uh, leave it right now. That's what well, that's I, go ahead, Michael. Sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I think that's that the nature of systemic problems, just in general, 
is is that they're complicated and i think there's a lot of barriers to even be able to interact with issues that we have and a lot of what we talk about in the podcast with faith and mental health is internal understanding the internal and Mm -hmm. then understanding community and how that relates to your network the people that you actually talk to on a regular basis and so that question of barrier and language is one that I think is a really, really big deal. And mm-hmm. a lot of people think that it's, it, it could be a distraction and uh, it, 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 it keeps us from talking about the actual issues because you'll spend 10 hours trying to talk about language and how to refer to individuals. But the, the idea of taking the time to be that respectful, to be able to yeah. have a conversation, it sets the tone and it sets a floor for knowing someone. Mm-hmm. And I think that that barrier for entry in language for this case, it's because sometimes we're just looking for an out. And if you're not comfortable enough to have a conversation around how someone wants to be referred to, then it's going to be really hard to have an honest conversation about yeah. some of the challenges in society yeah. as well. Yeah. I think that's good. And I think, I think the one reason, and I, I don't speak for all black people, I think the one reason that that may come up as an issue or some people might be like, who do you know about is because sometimes in the, in, in the grand scheme, now hear me, and I'm coming back to what you said. In the grand scheme of everything, of what we've been going through for a thousand over a thousand years, right? It's like you, you are you more concerned about what to call me or how to treat me? Mm-hmm. But hearing hearing your side, now I can say as a black man, say, hey, if you're willing to come to the table, they may ask because they really don't want to be offensive. Mm-hmm. I understand we're saying in the grand scheme of things. See, now I have to also sit down and listen and say, okay, they really just want to get it. They don't, they're not trying to be funny. They really like trying to say, look, I want to get into the conversation, but I don't want you to knock my head off because I decide to say black and you want to be African-American or vice versa. So I think that that's it. And I think sometimes if you don't have someone who can translate between the two, you may say that. You may come into the conversation and say, look, this is why I'm asking a question. I know, and you may say, I know it's minuscule according to what's going on, but I've heard it several different ways, and I just want to be respectful. I think there's nothing wrong with saying that. Look, I just want to be respectful. Right. I know it's, I know at the end of the day, we don't want you, y'all don't want to be down in the streets, but I want to know for, during this conversation if I'm asking you questions, mm-hmm. which, which was done to me. I want to give, want to give Lindsay and everybody props for that, which was done, which was done for me. Hey, what do you mind? And for me, it, it, it really doesn't matter. And I, like I said, I hope nobody from Black Race, it, like just, just call, you can just say Dominique, you know, most people mm-hmm. say that. It's kind of when in doubt, when in doubt, learn the name of the person yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. And I was just going to say that language is about honoring people and, and there's so much about learning people's language and learning our own language. We've talked in lots of previous podcasts about how to find words to describe how we feel, how we think, how we see ourselves. And we're always learning new language to describe ourselves mm-hmm. and understand ourselves um, and understand other people. And so I think part of this time of re-education or education for the first time for so many white people in our country, it is about learning a new language to be able to mm. honor people well. Yeah. Um, and, and language that you might not be familiar with. Uh, and it's okay to dialogue about language that that we want to learn 
we all want to learn new things. And for us to continue to understand each other, it's about learning new language for one another. True, true. I got, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a steal that. I'm going I'm to I'm borrow <laughs> that. I'm going to gain from that. <laughs> language is about honoring. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're right. But I think it's it, it's it's it could be used to honor or dishonor people. Yeah, that is that's true. The history that's the so history true. of language. That's good, mm-hmm. man. Y'all so smart. <laughs> no, <laughs> which is glad we faked it for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that that brings up a, a broader topic that I think has been ever present, which is conversation. Yeah, it's just something that I think that we're we have the privilege of being able to have together is that we can, we can have conversation and that there's understanding that has to be fostered and that like seeking to understand as a means to approach the Bible talks a lot about what it means to seek understanding first. And that that's how we find wisdom. And, and it sets the tone that you, that you should try to understand first and then you could think about maybe having an opinion. Uh, and I, I really think we get that out of order a lot in the Christian world because we feel like we have the Bible and we feel like that's spiritual authority. So we address the world with a spiritual authority that they may not feel like they would even say is authority or maybe don't even know is real. And there's so many barriers to have those conversations. It's having conversations, that, you know, we've had a lot of conversations just for context. Uh, it's kind of the beginning of June and it's been uh, on Monday. It'll be three weeks since George Floyd was killed mm-hmm. uh, up in Minneapolis. So there's been, I've had so many conversations around race and the systems of our culture and our government and the structure that have really been really revealing of the fact that, a lot of the time we don't want to understand and we don't want to, we don't want to seem ignorant. Maybe we don't want to make mistakes. There's a lot of reasons there. I had conversations with somebody who was talking about how uncomfortable they were with the police. And that's, that's a, a very hot topic right now. And I said, well, it, you know, have, do you know someone in law enforcement? Have you ever had a conversation with someone who is in law enforcement or has been or know somebody? And the answer was no, they haven't. And I said, well, it, it seems like maybe that would be a really good, place to start would be to not just take the image of what you think law enforcement is because we get these well curated things on our social media feeds that really show us an image of something and they're kind of a narrative that they follow but it, i think as a culture in general what we're having is being the byproduct of selective consumers of information as well which i think is a huge challenge and so they hadn't we had never had a conversation with a police officer so how mm-hmm. can we even understand and so i said well maybe like Maybe we could set that up. And the answer was, I don't know how comfortable I am with that. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's a problem to me Mm -hmm. because I don't know if we can't converse with real people and we're not comfortable with that and and everything gets typecast. I don't know how we bridge to understanding, which I would say is our biblical responsibility to be the ones who are the stewards and the bridge builders for understanding in our communities. What I hear in that is that I don't know how comfortable I am with that means I don't know how comfortable I am in hearing something that might not fit what I already thought. And I might have to learn something and change my mind. It's true. And what happens is, (laughs) it's like, you used to see this when you, when you, when you see your kid out of school or something, you know, particularly those who are, I remember at Mercer, man, it's like, Rick Wilson and then would love to get people in there and just kind of shock them, right? Because it's like, this ain't what you learned in Sunday school. This is like, this, this, this not it. But you're right. And I think, uh, Evan, if we live more uh, 
I'm a biblicist. Like, you know, when I got saved, rededicated myself, like, it's the word of God. Word of God changed my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't call it, you know, with all of us being trained and everything. We know there have been redactions and all that, but I'm a biblicist. Like, I have to go with the word said. And you said a good point, Evan. Like, if, if we, uh, I'm going to use this word, use this, if we don't live Christ like, then we must see to understand. Like I said, the Bible speaks about understanding. Jesus always asked his disciples, he was more, for them, but he always started off asking questions. What did you go see? Tell me. And so, you know, I'm doing about Bible study through James, which is say be with quick to hear, you know, slow to and slow to speak, right? So I'm trying to hear so I can better engage. I think um, if we're gonna live as Christian as being a steward of uh, our relationship and in and kingdom principles. Then yeah, we 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 must do that. And as, as like Lindsay said, I don't want you to shake my paradigm because see what happens is if my paradigm gets shifted, then my practices must shift. See, mm-hmm. if once my paradigm shifts, I have to then change my shift my practices. There's no need of renewing my mind if I'm not going to live out without without what I know. So mm-hmm. even to engage in these days, you have to learn, unlearn, and relearn. That that's what we all have to do moving forward. So, um, and like I said, it's nothing better than a great conversation to get people to understand and get the flowing. Uh, even if you don't agree with somebody, it's hard to hate somebody, you at least understand where they're coming from. Mm. What have you found to be, like, over the years in your experience, helpful to break through those barriers to be able to have like, conversations, just in general? Like, what seems to, what seems to be effective or helpful? Well, a couple of things. I, I wasn't raised to hate anyone, but I was, uh, but I was raised to be careful and to be proud of who I am. So, number one, my home foundation. You like, so I, I was very much aware of what went on through history and all of that. But my mom and dad always told me, "You treat people how they treat you." So that was one. That, that's one. Number two, I'm called to do it. Uh, uh, that that was the, the foundation. Most of all, man, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to. First of all, <laughs> love my neighbor as myself. Like it, it gets, it, it's the humane thing to do. It's like it's not, it, particularly for those who are Christians. So I think, and I'm consistent. I'm at least going to give you the opportunity to prove your prove that you're wrong. I need a promise out. And my, Mike, Mike can attest to this, right? I'm messing with him. I call you if you if I if I don't get you, that's fine. I'm gonna text you. If I had your email, I probably would email you. So I'm gonna go to every link to try to contact with you because I want to make it right. He's called us to the ministry of reconciliation. And what we have to do is this, and this this is not only to the person you were talking to, Evan, this is to everybody. Particularly, let me say this, particularly even the white people. Like just because you're uncomfortable don't mean you're not safe. Mm. You're just uncomfortable. Mm. It doesn't mean you're not you're in a, you're threatened. And so there are some things, let me say this, I'm about to cause as I know. So uh, as I go through and I'm speaking in my prayer language now, there's some things I feel like God may put in my heart. I'm not comfortable doing because my flesh is not. Mm. He's leading me to kill my flesh so that the life in me can live. So the conversation may be the cross I have to pick up to be more Christ-like. Mm. You, you get what I'm saying? So what happens is the cross was not comfortable. The cross is not comfortable. And what happens is we've, we've come to a point where we want comfortable Christianity. 
And we mm, was never called true. to be that. He said he give us peace, but peace all you don't know you have peace till there's a storm raging. You don't you don't know that. Of course I can run, shout, do a cartwheel flip or whatever your 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 tribe does. Wow, I got money in the bank and all that. You know you got true peace where hell is going is breaking loose. And so we had it. Here's what he said. If any man should follow, should wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And so that that, that not even that may not that may be common. It may not be common even to some blacks who may be wondering me. I'm a Christian. And I'm gonna speak it. I mean, can I be honest with you? I focus on doing what God called me to do because I understand racism going to be in the world. That's a hard issue. But I will straighten you once you get in the line because it, because if I focus so much on racism, I'm going to get. I'm telling you, I know me. I'm going to get hatred and bitter in my heart, and I have to protect my heart above all. And so I want to do that. We got. We're going to have to pick up our cross and have these tough conversations. Bottom line, we're going to pick up our cross and we make it this later on. And and uh, white people are going to have to become the mentees for a minute and not the mentors. Mm. Like yeah. you're gonna have to pick, you're gonna have to learn. You're gonna have to learn and sit down and be taught. Not you can ask questions, but you don't set the curriculum. Hmm. Got the curriculum been set for over I don't know how many years, right? You think about how many kids go through. Man, you know what I'm saying? They write, they rewriting the the, the 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 history books now to make it seem like in middle middle grade slavery went bad. Oh, you know they was in servitude. Servitude? What, what you talking about? Like we got our back split open. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, so you yeah. rewind it. The kids go through school, don't even know about uh, Black Wall Street or Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Don't even know about it. There was this whole Auburn Avenue in Atlanta. We had to, we had to, we had to tell our own stories. So guess what? It's time for white people to, to, to come and say, "Hey, here, go. It's just our story. Like we contributed. We, we, we contributed to this society. Like we, we did help build this joker." So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, God, I think you. So much. There's so much you just said that I could just I'm hear. And, and I mean, just, no, 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 no. no, no I, I started I'm, taking notes of things that I want to no. reflect on later, even after our conversation. Of things that just really sat in my gut, um, in a good way. That's making me think. You said so mm. much good stuff. What, one of the things I heard you say, I think I, I hear you saying, is that it it starts with yourself. Like, yeah. You know, I think, I think, I think what I'm experiencing right now is a lot of a lot of my white friends um, are making posts on Facebook, public stances on the issue. They are pushing to defund the police. They're like, like we want to fix this grand scheme of things. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, we haven't even addressed the racism that lives in us, you know? Yeah. And, and I, um, I've been white my whole life, it turns out. And uh Man. And, <laughs> I know, I know. And I've I've grown up in this this system, I've absorbed it, I've I've been around it, I've been around well-meaning white people too who who will say things like, I don't see color and uh, <laughs> I don't have a racist bone in my body. And all of that is a lie. These are <laughs> lies we tell ourselves because we don't want to deal with the reality. Yeah. And it's just like anything else, like if, if in depression and suicide and anxiety disorders, if I'm not willing to admit that I've got a problem, alcoholism, drug addicts, yeah. if I can't admit I got a problem, I can't get help. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think what whites want to do, what, what we want to do is skip over that pain. Because what's really hard is looking in the mirror and saying, I'm a racist. Yeah. Or at least I got some prejudices, right? I well, I like, I, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I grew up, I'm a racist. Gotcha. I grew up, I, I, I got what I like to use. The phrase I've come to learn to use is I'm a recovering racist. Gotcha. Because here's the thing, Mike, no. excuse me for cutting y'all. The only reason I say that, I'm, think, see, I'm thinking on a scholastic, scholastic tip, I was thinking racist is a system that you set up to give somebody the opportunity, you know what I'm saying? Right. I hate somebody, but, but I get what you're saying. I totally get it, so I'm not trying to correct you on that. Yeah. Here's the thing. I got prejudice, too. Man. Yeah, I could be. So I'm sorry, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, I mean, a, a white dude coming to the gym, you'd be like, oh, the white boy ain't going to beat me. You know what I'm saying? The white boy ain't going to beat me. Yeah. yeah. Right? But, but so we, we had old things. But I think for us who are Christ followers, we must address them. We must. See, that's the whole sanctification piece that we don't want to walk through. And then our environment brings, this is something I learned from my son, man, probably he's 15, so maybe 10 years ago, we were coming out of, um, we were coming out of Chick-fil-A. My son said, hey, uh, he said something about, yeah, the girl and I, she did something. He wasn't telling me, he was like, she did something. He said, the girl. I said, what, what, what girl, which girl, the girl. My son never used a qualifier. It was a white girl. I instantly would have said the white girl. Mm-hmm. My son at four, all he saw was a girl. Mm-hmm. But you can bet now, 15 to 20, 20, his context done changed. Watch this, not from my house. Yes, I have some, some stuff I work out too. Not because but being a Christ, we don't spew that language, we don't do that. But because of life and what he's going through. Mm-hmm. My son told me the other day, man, well, probably the day or two after George, the thing happened with George Floyd, Amar, everybody, he went for a run. He actually went for a run and said, I've been on him. Mm. And man, when, the, when I heard the garage come back up, I got relieved. Mm. Right. And I got relieved that he made it. He made it. Like, I'm like, and I had to, at Lindsay, you, you can help, help with this. I had to catch my thoughts, like, why am I, re- I'm actually relieved He's back in. Well, normally I would have been like, okay, Joshua back home. I was relieved I heard the, the garage go up. Hmm. The other thing, later on that day, my wife told me this, because we, you know, we know, we've been going back over the rules again. Hey, you know what happened. Throw your hand. Yes, don't do no that. He, this my son, man, at 15, says it's hard to do that when you're looking down the barrel of a gun. Mm-hmm. He's 15. Last night, my, my wife tells me, she said, my daughter who's 11, I'm, th- I'm glad she's thinking about what well, she's talking about, at least being married, but we tell her, you, you, ain't, you ain't dating till you're 30. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. But, hear. But she said, Mama, I, uh, I want to make sure when my, when my children grow up that they, they just be safe, that they, that they don't have to deal with what's going on now. 11. Mm. 11, my kids are thinking like that. Now I'm at, I got an 11 year old daughter who's saying, when she have kids, she just want them to make sure that they stay alive and be safe. And so this is the trump. I'll say this, because I was going to wait to bring this up a little later, but yesterday I was on another Zoom meeting, man, and I was literally 
I usually do this. Like, I would get on here if I'm hosting, hey, how you doing? Mike, tell me what you're thinking, what you're Liz, how you doing? Tell me your fit, whatever. Somebody did that to us yesterday, they did it to me. I didn't get to ask the question. And man, and like, you know, I'm pretty, but I'm pretty stone faced. Like, people tell you from the hood, like, me, I he, I want emotional in the streets and then like that. Like, I'm not worship now, because God has softened my heart during worship. You may see me tear this. Man, on the Zoom, watch this. I broke down on the Zoom. Mm-hmm. Because I literally leading a church, leading a nonprofit. Like I, I like I do my like I do my devotional. I go run, but I think for the first time I kind of like, man, how like what really are you? Like like how how are you really doing right now? And I had to think about it, man. I thought about it, like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, hit the button. I'm like, but I'm, I'm like, and I literally on the Zoom, man, just like was. Weeping on the Zoom. I'm like, I don't know, I saw my cool points on here today. But I had to come to the point, man, that I just saw, what you say, Evan, three weeks ago, three weeks ago, man, a man in his 40s or however old, a grown man, cry out for his mama. Mm. Cry out for his mama. And so now you're not only talking about. For eight minutes. Eight minutes. You're talking about. So so you're not only talking about four or five years of this. You're talking about since we got off the boat in 1619. 1619. And so, Liz, I know you probably see trauma and all that. But I want you to think about the psychological trauma and oppression black people have had to deal with that's passed on from generation. So people, oh man, a few of them made it. I, yeah, but think about this. We remember when we first, we really first, before we got into seminary training, we really used to read the children of Israel. Like, it took them 40 years to get out. But we don't understand how they have been under oppression for 400 years. So you think 11 days they're going to get out of this stuff? Mm. And if you look at it, 400 years of slavery, since we fat chicken ain't gonna get a years, however many years of Jim Crow, civil rights, man, you're talking only a, a good 60 years. If that, you literally talking about from 19, what, 65, let's go to 70, to 2020. That's literally all you're talking about with a group of people. And man, the fact that we're still here in the planet, and I don't condone this, but the fact that we haven't burnt this dime before now, that's a miracle in itself. But those of us who are called to be Christ followers have to stand the gap, speak truth to power, and curve that rage into a way to whatever. But it's a bigger, it's evil, man. So I'm glad Liz is. I'm glad y'all do bring the whole thing about the mental health because that was a long, even in the church period, that was long over. You know, we, particularly in my tradition, word, faith, battle, we just go, everything is spirit. We just gonna lay our hands on you, catch it up. No, you just gonna take your medicine and go, t- it's, you, you need Christ and a therapist. Amen. I think that we really need both a lot of times. Yeah, I'm gonna quote that. Hey, we need Christ need, and Christ a therapist. Christ in the couch. You need Christ in the couch. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. And so yeah. what happens is, you literally have People, man, who are walking around with trauma. You gotta think about it. My grandma is 80 years old, man. She walked, she was born away. They could call her daddy boy. Mm. You understand? Know my grandma clean houses, man. Like I'm gonna I'm thank God my 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 aunt did what they call I'm I'm on the second generation college. Think about it, no white people, four, five, six, seven generation. I'm on the second generation college student. That's it. 
And so, yeah, I'm sorry. I might got some more questions. I'm grateful for everything that you're saying about mental health. I think that that's the portion that we've talked lots on this podcast that the church hasn't always been the best talking about mental health Mm -hmm. in the past. And it's also something that we're even leaving out of these conversations about racism. Uh, We're not talking about the implications on somebody's mental health and that racism does produce trauma and PTSD. If you, um, there's been a lot of research uh, out there about uh, the experience of racism and how uh, a lot of black people are having PTSD symptoms and aligning with all of that. And that's a dialogue that hasn't been talked about for so many years, which is disappointing because if you start naming how everybody's feeling right now, the symptoms and uh, PTSD are so prominent. It's wild that people have not been having this conversation before now. So I want to ask you, how has racism impacted your own mental health or those of people around you? That's good. And I think I'm going to go back to what I just said. Like, I literally didn't know that much. I don't know what you would call it. I'll let you diagnose me on here. I'm serious. <laughs> I don't know if that was just suppressed anger, suppressed, like, hopelessness. I, I, don't, I don't know what it was. Cause I, so it's tough for me to say hopelessness because I believe in the one who gives us hope. So that was my hope. But literally... I was just like, I don't know if I had even processed it mm-hmm. because I got to lead. I got to lead these millennials and, and people. I got to lead the older people. Like, and so what Mike said earlier, I had to even come to the realization. I'm coming to you, Lance. Let me talk through this if you don't mind. I had to come to the realization, like, people do look at me for leadership, but I don't like, uh, but I had to own it. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, you can't. No, no, you, yes, you come to serve. Yes, people know your heart. But the truth of the matter is some people need direction. And one of my mentors told me, who happens to be a white guy named Dr. Bobby, he said, look, God has done the work in your heart, man. Walk in it. He said, people, black people and white people are looking for you to lead and serve. So cool. So I had to own it. And so what I'm seeing people do is, is literally like just either check out, literally they don't know what to do with their emotions. They don't know what to do. They don't even know process. So one of the things we did, we put a proposal in just for that, for the United Way and um, Community Foundation here had some COVID money. Mm-hmm. Everybody was getting money for food, which is good. I said, we need to get money for food and we need to get money where we can pay black therapists to, to give people who need to talk to somebody for free. Exactly. So we need a therapist for them because people are forgetting that. Watch this. The therapist going to need a therapist. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You're going around and you think about people have headaches. You know, people see the police and start tensing up. Right? Not alone. Now, let's add this on topic. We're talking about racism and all that. Let's add I'm dealing with poverty. I got to work three jobs. Why this? With COVID, I, I, I got out of high school. Uh, I, I don't have internet. How my baby going to do this work? How, you got all this stuff coming on black people that they don't even, like, what is going on? So not everything going out. My, I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, 
condone it. So now I'm, I'm stuck in the house. I can't go out. <laughs> I'm stuck in mm-hmm. I can't go out. I can't talk. So, so I think some things I'm seeing is people literally, they're going inside a lot. Some people are coming out, maybe in, you know, the alcohol consumption may be going up. Um, can I mean, they may, they may be high in sexual activity. You know, that's a, that's a stress relief. I'm not trying to be crass on here. Um, so I, I think I think I think that's a mirror. Like I said, I can't just say these are the things. That's a mirror the way people deal with it. You know, I, I can say this: pastors are literally having weeping sessions, probably. Ryan getting in their car, giving weeping because they got to find a way not to be violent, but also give hope. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure a lot of people have had the conversation: Is God really real? Dominic, I don't want to hear you right now. It's mm-hmm. a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Last week, Evan and I were on a call with a bunch of campus ministers uh, from all over the country. And there's there are a couple on there from from Mississippi, uh, black campus ministers. And I, we just gave 20 minutes, about 20, 30 minutes that we took just to voice what we were feeling. Everyone's going through this this mm-hmm. this crisis. And uh, and it's a blend of crises. It's, it's pandemic. It's <laughs> it's racist America. It's the it's it's the the cluster that is the government it's like all those things right all that's pressure but we the things that surfaced I, I weeped too on my zoom call I, I don't I cried just because I was listening to these these guys talk about you know I just want to go out and scream I want to yell I want to wail but I'm mm-hmm. a black man and I'm a preacher and I can't do that because people think I'm dangerous or they don't think I'm a good leader and then and then <laughs> that's it, it right now the right? Pressure, the so pressure. so I got to take up all that stuff and just shove it down deeper. Cause I, cause I've got, you know, you, you got all these people following you, mm-hmm. all these people looking at you, all these people. And then, and the one that got me the most, I think, you know, and it, when you hear somebody you come, come to really know and, and, and love and respect and talking about, he's got a young boy who's a beautiful young boy. Uh, but as he starts to look more like a man, he's got to start having that conversation about, you know, it's not safe. You can't be fully yourself. You're going to have to always think about how you're presenting yourself and how you're positioning and how, what clothes you're wearing and what time you go out and how you talk to a police officer. Like, like the burden that you're going to put on this child that, yeah. that my kid does, I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that with Austin. I'm not going to mm-hmm. have to say you, you can't talk to a, a police officer. You're going to have, now I want him to be respectful to all people, right? Yeah. But but I don't have this. I don't have that same conversation. I don't have to give him the weight of the world when he starts to look like a man. Yeah, you know, that and it just, like, yeah. it just yeah, it the just brand like, of leadership that'll be a good that'll be some good to talk about. But I mean, I will say for this, for me, you know, I, I practice my spiritual discipline. Uh, I, I make sure I, I, I get my quiet time. I try to journal, journal, and know things to get it out. I try to laugh. Like, that's why I came on today, just like, hey, let me have a good time. Like, I ain't trying to be deep or none of that. It was just, like, just can we just laugh, sit back, eat some new ways or something, just, you know, <laughs> you know? Uh, I love that you threw that plug in there purposely. <laughs> Today's episode is. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. yeah. New way. To, I need my money for that, that plug. But that's uh, right. Uh, well, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, that that that's that's where a lot a lot of people are, um, and just trying to navigate. I saw a post, man. It was funny. For Facebook, for, for face Facebook post. It said, "Check on your friends." 
in the last couple of weeks, they had to be a pandemic expert, an economic expert, and a civil rights expert. And they had no days off. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> I saw I saw you post that today. I saw that. I was like, they left off it, a man. teacher. You got to be a teacher, too, an, an elementary school, middle school, high school teacher, too, for your kids. And, yeah. Oh, I, oh. yeah. You, we forgot yeah. about an educator yeah. that had been trained. So, That's, yeah, 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 man. We're carrying so much right now um, that we're trying to process in real time um both i mean all of the events around us uh trying to navigate our way through better understanding racism and social justice at the same time that we're trying to navigate uh the anxiety and safety around the pandemic um that sometimes it can be so heavy for people that we Mm. don't even know what to do we don't we can't go outside and scream in the same way that we want to. We have to appear strong for other people. And uh, we've spent some time on this podcast uh, over a number of episodes of trying to honor ourselves and take space for ourselves. Mm. And, and I want people to be finding ways to recharge their batteries. Well, yeah. we yeah. can't continue this marathon if we mm. don't refuel over and over so if that means you need to find a way to check out from the heaviness and the pain and i'm not saying in that that in an ignorant way like i know we will never leave this world and what's happening around us yeah but if you can find some dumb movie to watch for 90 minutes to laugh (laughs) hysterically if you can find um somebody to meet to go on a walk with um if you can find um, a way, maybe you're one of the people that ordered an inflatable swimming pool, like a million of my friends that all seem to have them on their back deck now, um, and laugh about your, you know, your own summer adventure, do that. That doesn't mean the rest of the world isn't important, mm-hmm. and that it's not serious, and it's, and it's uh, not something you're trying to ignore it. It means that you're trying to find space and ways to refuel your batteries to come back to the conversation. And maybe that even means counseling. Maybe it's not always the fun stuff. It's the things we need to do to care for our soul well, which means sometimes doing really hard work. That's good, Lindsay. Uh, And um, I'm glad you gave that word of advice to all of us. Uh, I I definitely receive it. I think to... uh, well, I work out my son now on Mondays, which is a good it's bonding. I'm getting to shoot. But before, you know, they got out of school and all that, I used to call it Mindless Monday. Hmm. Like you said, so when you said put on some 90 minute crazy TV show, I go do it. I try to watch something with too much cussing in it, but I just go put on some stand up comedian, just laugh or sleep and get back at it. And I think what we have to do too is start back, and I don't want to go too far off. But we since we're talking about soul care, leadership, uh, a good book, Liz, you may have read it. All of us may have read it on his. Uh, oh, man, I see his name. Uh, the one about healthy, uh, he wrote Healthy Spirituality. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Huh? Uh, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality you know, book. Emotionally Healthy Leadership. So that's mm-hmm. one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Peter Scazzaro. Yep. Yeah. So one of the things, though, that I think one time, I, I learned this lesson a long time ago, and we so much in the grind culture. Like if, if Mike texts me, I'm, what you doing, Nick? 
grinding, you know. But sometimes it's a nothing. You know, I gotta meet with I gotta it, it I think we 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 skip over the Sabbath principle. Mm-hmm. So I think even one day, one one time, particularly during this racism pandemic, yeah, I normally people need me. The truth of the matter is, I'm not the savior. I need a day, y'all. Like somebody said, like anybody can rip, uh, um, tutor a 15 year old guy, and I want, I know it's a, a prime time to tutor young black men. But I had to just be real and say, because so people end up putting my name, hey, Dominique, you they name some more people, and I just told, I typed right there in the Facebook group, hey. It would be unfair for him and me. I can't give. I, I can't give it. We got to know that. So I think sometimes we just got to have a meet with Nate, man. Sometimes yeah. put on your calendar, meet with Nate. Y'all know who Nate is? Nate, thank you. Nothing. I got to meet with Nate. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a good word. I mean, I think yeah. self-care is like, that's, it's the most... We have this, we, we talked about this in a previous episode, this like Protestant work ethic. We believe that our, our worth is based on how much we do. And yeah. that, that, that relationship with God is based on how much we do for God yeah. and how hard religion is for us. And that, yeah. that all that's like wrapped up in this like capitalistic society that we, we're fighting all that, that whole life. system, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so being still is the antithesis of worth, yeah. right? So yeah. we feel worthless when we're still. Yeah. You know, one of the things as we all, all four of us on here is going to have to do, like we go out to battle this racism and the conversation I have. I do this for young ministers when we get ready to go. I'm giving, giving away a secret. It's Mark 3, Mark 3, because this is Matthew 3 and Mark 3. Jesus goes up on the hill. And he he said he, they call he called his disciples to be with him so he could send them to go out and preach, teach, cast out demons. And so when I give people that passage to read, I said, what did he call them to do? Go out and preach, teach, cast out demons. I said, man, you're right. Read it again. What did he call them to do? Preach, teach. You're right. I do it three times. I said, how did you overlook? He first called them to he called them to be with him, so he mm-hmm. could send them out. Mm-hmm. Our first goal is always to be with him. Then he would send us on our assignment. Jesus didn't work for affirmation. He worked from affirmation. This is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. He went from the affirmation of the father. That's what keeps me going. When I'm facing racist, bigot systems and all that, is that I know you, even if I bomb on a Sunday preaching, nobody wants to bomb, but the truth of the matter is, he loved me before I did anything. Mm-hmm. So even how I deal with racism, I know I'm loved because I'm made in the Imago day. Mm. It, may, it may hurt, it may, yeah, I don't like it, I'm going to fight for everybody, whatever, but the truth of the matter is, I'm made in his image, so I'm loved. And you have to tell yourself that over and over. You have to tell yourself that called the schema in your head. But you heard from a little boy, a little girl, whatever. And for black people, whatever we have to do. But we've always maintained that hope. And we, we, are, we are some of the most resilient people on this planet. Mm-hmm. They have survived and do and not really went ham. For those of you on the radio, ham means crazy off the chain. Uh, and it's not, but you look at me, that's, so that's how I do it. My first thing, 
even if I don't make an S, even, even if I don't make it to exercise, if I get up late, I try to get up early, but if I miss my time getting up, and I, I'm not going to forego my being with him, even able for 30 minutes, I must be with him because I know what I have to do. But not only that, I know I need that to be a good husband, a good father, a good leader. I need that time with him. Mm. Okay, so I love that. The, the affirmation, I'm getting therapy and mentoring and, and hey, all Emma, my so sermons. Let me bring you back. Let me bring us back. Go ahead, Emma. All my sermons. all the things for free. No, I'm, right I'm going to ask you to expound upon it. So <laughs> I bring us back. We're going further. All my sermons for the next two years are planned now. Uh, so okay. <laughs> this is great. Um, that's good. So, you got two years. I need to get your method. Go ahead. I'm glad yeah, we're doing the work we for just, you. We just hang out with you and you do we're all just, the work. <laughs> yeah, keep it up. <laughs> So uh, obviously the affirmation for ourselves is uh, an incredible place to start. We have a lot of folks who listen, who are in positions of leadership, who have, have authority in different situations. And I want to get more to, to systems later, because I think the way that we address systems impacts our mental health a lot, especially if we feel like we want to have agency to change those systems. True. So within, within ourselves and our circles, what have you found to be really helpful once you experience affirmation for yourself and leading from that place of affirmation and then sending, what have you found helpful to be able to facilitate that in your circles and in the communities that you're a part of? How, how, do, you, how do you help to make that a place of safety to affirm those that you're working with, that you lead with? Well, I think one of the things I do is, first of all, I, I let people know, for t- particularly let me say this, in, in some black cultures, we use the word anointing a lot, right? So the anointing, right? And so I have to let people know, preachers aren't the only one anointing or, or, or anointed or have or have an assignment on their life. So I tell people for the assignment on your life, you need to start at the feet of Jesus. But you, if you looked at look at it, we were made for a community. And inside that community is where uh, I get my strength, where I do that. We're so, Western, Western Christianity is so individualistic, so I try to get people as close to the Eastern Asiatic model as possible, which is community. And inside that community is where I grow, is where I get my feeding. And I guess what I need, not only do I have something to give, I need you because I have to have something to receive. You're gifted for me. So I, that's the moral, that's what I do. And guess what, when you come here, there's no judgment, but there will be a calling you up to your identity. Judgment means I'm telling you, you're going to heaven or hell. I have no right to do that. But as a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ, I do say, hey, Mike, that ain't, that's, that's not our identity. Our identity as Christ walkers are this. So we must accept some of that. And then we just literally have to have, we have to live our word. I know, and again, on businesses. I know, but yeah, real life knows the Bible is for real life. It gets no more practical. As a matter of fact, I had a seminary professor. He said, for instance, tell me this. He said, you had, uh, what's your, your concentration? I said, uh, you know, practical theology, urban ministry leadership. He said, right. Is there a theology that shouldn't be practical? So if it doesn't touch the ground, it don't work. Why did I say that? Now, when I think about iron sharp and iron, so we hear that, but do we really understand cognitively? So in my group, if we're going to say iron sharp and iron, we're going to die. What does that mean? That means that's going to have to be some friction. And sometimes that with friction, sparks are going to fly. But get what that means. That don't walk away from you because sparks are flying. 
So we set that as a culture in our norm. We set that. And so here's 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 what we are going to do, right? What we're going to do is start moving real quick and blow the thing up. So what we're going to do is, this is how we operate. And we don't necessarily have to set ground rules. It becomes a culture. We try to live out live out our faith. So those around us, you you kind of pick it up. You kind of know like, okay, that's what it is. And we want to see everybody walk out their God assignment. Mm-hmm. Everybody, whatever that is, how can I help you? I want to add value to you. And so I think when people see that, they're more apt to come. They're more apt to listen. And and, and that's it. I think, you know, it's the, it's the whole ethic of love. And I'm coming to serve. Here's something that Bill Johnson said. And then I, I go to the next question that I want to ask one. Bill Johnson said this, and I use, I, I kind of don't use, this is, this is Dominique's. He said, I want to, um, I want to serve with the heart of a king. And he used the word rule, but what I do, I use the word lead. So I want to serve with the heart of a king, and I want to lead with the heart of a servant. So that at the end of the day, I, at the end of the day, you can't take advantage of me because I give it to you. Mm-hmm. Philippians tells me I'm, uh, uh, to, to, to consider might you know, above me. Not a boy like that, but y'all know the word. So the thing is, but if Mike is doing that for me, my needs are met in the body. My mm-hmm. needs are met. So we have to go back to speak, speaking true community. Think about it, Lynn. Not trying to take Lynn's out of the job, but if people were truly in community, have her case load to be down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think what I, one of the things I hear you saying is that, and I like following this, so, so, so the Emmanuel, God with us, uh-huh. kind of calls us to be with God. And if we're with God, we have to learn how to be with ourselves. And if we, if we live with God and we live with ourselves, that enables us to be, and we need, necessitates us to be with others. Yeah. And it's a exactly. process of being with. Being, you know? it's the, what is our witness precedes our witness. We want That's to go right. witness, but we haven't been with. Here's something I, I, I usually use, y'all. This is where all of us, the body of Christ has got to come together. I use uh, John 11 with, with Lazarus. This, this goes for mental, physical, whatever. Jesus gets to the tomb. We know the story. Lazarus comes forth. He come, first of all, this is what he says. He, 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 he says, remove the stone. So who is he talking to? Once they move the stone, loosen. See, we 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 preach and teach that like the stone just moved by itself, ladder came for he said, loose that man, let him go. He's talking to the community. Y'all move this stuff out the way. You all put your hands, get your hands on a dead man. It's the community. I will hit the body heals itself. You scratch yourself. It's going to end up healing. Guess where my guess where my healing resides? Of course, in the Holy Spirit, but it resides in you, Mike, calling, picking me up, and speaking the phone. It resides in Lindsay giving me. It resides in heaven, heaven laying his hands on me and praying for me. All the healing that we need is within the community because healing is in the body. But we go off on our own and try. And I'm not saying you need both ends. You need a long time, but you also need to get back in the fight. When John the Baptist died, Jesus was vexed. 
He needed to get away, but he also knew I got something I still gotta do. So I gotta get, I gotta upload the replay. But I must also realize my healing is within you all. My healing comes from being in a group of people who can speak life into me. Why do I have life in me? As a matter of fact, the shirt I got on, give life. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Right? No, no, we shouldn't be doing any life on our own. I mean, exactly. God gifted us yes. each other. And, and I think that even speaks into both the faith portion and the mental health portion of everything yes. we talk about. We shouldn't have to figure out how to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and do it on our own. We can ask for help and have other people. That's how God designed us yes. to be. We don't need to learn um, and grow in our faith only on our own. We need to be with other people to shepherd us, to lead us, to help us grow. Um, and, and I don't think, I, I can't have these kind of conversations without saying, like, if you don't have a place right now and you are listening to this, That's good. send us a note. We will help you find somebody to walk with you. Amen. If that means us helping you find a therapist, if that makes it, means helping you find um, a church community. If that means us connecting you with uh, somebody else near you or a community member, or just a conversation partner to start asking some of these questions, do not carry the weight on your own. And we shouldn't expect ourselves to do that. Um, I'm, I'm gonna use this moment for kind of a little resource plug. Mm -hmm. um, if you are um, a black man or woman looking for some counseling resources and you don't know where to look um, and you want to be able to talk about, as we, as we mentioned earlier, um, the PTSD symptoms that result from racism, uh, there are two great websites that I have seen in the mental health community recently, therapyforblackgirls.com and therapyforblackmen.org. I'm gonna say that one more time for people that are listening that need a resource. Therapyforblackgirls.com. And then the other resource, therapyforblackmen.org. Both are well-versed and uh, broad resources to be able to con get you connected to somebody else to handle and manage and navigate this journey so that you don't have to carry the weight on your own. Um, and as always, if you're listening to this, uh, click on our bio and information and send us, send us a question or send us a note if you need help finding somebody to walk with you. Mm -hmm. So I think we're, it's time for us to sort of wrap this. I could go on for another another hour but uh, Man, I, don't I, I don't know if our listeners will go on for another hour um Long what i hear what thing, it's fine that's all right one of the things i i think i hear to sort of pull this together one of the threads i've heard through this is this idea of, of withness and in and, and that healing comes out of community um and in this current fight for for more equity in our country and in our lives and our communities and our homes um there's a lot of push. Uh, there's a lot of energy to fight the system and the system needs to be fought. There are, the system needs to be dismantled. But if we don't do the hard work of being with ourselves and recognizing the stuff that's in us mm -hmm. first, it doesn't matter if we fix the system because we're still corrupt. 
we're still we're still thinking the same thoughts we were thinking before and if we don't work in our communities and do the hard work of being with others then it doesn't matter what the system is we're still going to perpetuate injustice and so so maybe i'd love your your kind of final thoughts on this is is maybe the action that we should all be looking for uh for us out of us part of what i feel convicted out of this is is to start having meals with people who look different than us start just yeah. being with people yeah. learn their names oh, yeah. learn their story learn where they're from learn their in that is the power of healing that that we need as a country that we need as a person that we need in our communities is is the idea that we're not scared of each other because we know each other's names and we know each other's stories. Yeah, two two things, Mike. I think that's that's true. But I also I also would add work on some of the. You got to work on both. It's a both hand. Yeah, I'm going to have meals yeah. and I'm going to fight the system. I think right. you're going to have to do a Nehemiah thing. You're going to have to build and fight at the same time. And so some people have heard your statement. I know what you meant. But some people have heard your statement about let me work on myself first and took a whole year to work on themselves. Mm, like yeah. at the end of the day, you need to uh, work on yourself, true, but continue to help. Like, you know, you gotta just know where your limitations are. Come be honest with you, Mike, and I'm gonna speak freely, like some of us are past trying to help people, white people particularly deal with race one-on-one and one-on-two. It's like now we're just going straight to the system. But I believe it's a both hand. I believe maybe for your personal benefit, which I, I which is good. Don't even wrong. Or community benefit. Let me put it like that. The communal benefit. And let me get to know this brother here. Kind of like you and I did. Let me get to know this mm-hmm. brother. Let me deal with let me let me at least have one or two black friends I can literally be honest with. And they can tell me, hey man, that's the eyes of privilege. And I don't get upset, right? But also, what laws are on the books? Like, why is that still a law? Like, why was no not alone? Like, mm-hmm. Man? Mm-hmm. so and that's the thing. And, and I want people to know, it's not impossible, but you don't have to fight like hell. Cause we're talking about an entrenched evil. We're talking about people's hearts. So we're so you're gonna have to. We're gonna have to get on our. We have to fight this on our knees and get up and get the martial arts and do something, but we also have to educate on ourselves. I always encourage everybody to learn. Here's a, here's something, because I think, like, because we're a type A person that we ready to go, but I did some work with REI, which is Racial Equity Institute, and their, their, their system is actually, you become aware, then you learn. After you learn, you get an analysis. After you get an analysis, you plan and organize. After plan and organize and you act. After act, you evaluate and guess what? You start all over again. Mm-hmm. Because that's how you fight systematic racism. Individual, you praying for that individual heart. We talking about systems to keep people out of place of employment, despairs against education. You got to learn laws and what people did. You got to understand what truly what redlining is and the effect mm-hmm. that redlining had on people. You got to understand why does the banking system go toward certain things? That's how you do that. So those of us who call ourselves the name of Christian, we're gonna to have to look, we, we shouldn't even look at, I mean, where is it in the Bible? Man, first of all, like, Paul fronted Peter by his prejudice. Like, mm-hmm. you, oh, matter of fact, he said it's not good for the gospel. 
you're hearing the gospel because you won't eat with the with the do the with the Gentiles not because the Jews is. That's racism, Peter. And you walk with Jesus. So like Mike said earlier, don't think you so holy that it can't be there. Peter mm-hmm. walked with the man for three years and had to be mm-hmm. called out by this racism. Mm-hmm. I, I have a I have a, a, a question to connect that to. Go ahead, go, hey, Evan already said this this long form, so go ahead, man. Yeah. <laughs> to connect that to like a, like practical, so because I I feel like what I'll find happening in my own individual cycles and in conversations that I I have often yeah. is that we have folks who we want to make change based on system. System is a daunting thing to change. And I think, you know, acting locally, thinking nationally, all that is great. But what ends up happening is it's like, we're trying to go on this journey or fight, I mean, even to be more aggressive, fight this battle. And so we're, we're packing a bag and trying to say, okay, what do I need for this journey? And mm. we pack the bag. And then we think about it and then the, the national cycle comes back around again. And so, we're like, oh, uh, nah, maybe I need to repack the bag. And then it, then the national news cycle happens again. And that's what people are paying attention to. They're like, oh, okay, I got, I can't have this. And I thought this. And so I need to repack that bag again, but we never leave the house. <laughs> you can buy a lot of stuff at the store on your journey. <laughs> right. So what is, yeah. so what is, what, what do you think if for, for an individual who was saying this task, uh, this idea of talking to someone of, of acting in community, I, I have no idea how to get out of the house. I, I would say, man, um, I'm a, I'm like Nike. Just do it. Like you, you just and remember this. I know that kind of, that, that might have come out flipping and crying, but ultimately you just got to make a step. And, and let me say this: if you're trying to get out of the house, now this is where Mike's where Mike's thing come in, at, and, and this is more telling. If you're trying to get out of the house, you can't leave the house because you don't even have one black person you talk, you can talk to mm-hmm. that you don't know. You need to repent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that means your world is small. But I'm telling you, that's where it is. That I mean, I, where I, I live, where I, I live I is like you. it's it's these. We surround ourselves. Yes, we yeah. are surrounded in communities yeah. where we don't have people or we don't have those relationships. Yeah. And, but what will happen is this, and this is I've been working with college students, a lot of white college students. And they'll get real fired up about this and they'll go and they'll, they'll make signs and they'll protest and they'll, they'll be on fire and they'll post things on Facebook. But in their real life, they don't have a single meaningful relationship with someone who looks different than them. And then that comes for us who are, who are on here now to mentor them to do that. Mm-hmm. That's right. You see what I'm saying, Evan? So I would say, I would take that youngster and say, let me ask you something. Do you have anyone personal? If not, hey, and you can't force relationships, but I would, I would start making those connections like, hey, here's someone you can talk to. Or, hey, go to a group. Or guess what? You all start like, look, we don't know where it's going to go. We want it to be organic, but hey, we want to at least start somewhere. And let me say this, be ready for resistance. Because <laughs> really, black folk tired of talking, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm right. just tired of talking. And so you got to kind of just be like, we, we try and do what you can. I know this might not sound like the the, the best philosophical uh, academic answer, but you, sometimes you just got to do what you can and say, here's where I'm willing to help. But here's the main thing. Here's the main thing. Become a student and a mentee. Mm-hmm. 
go with the admin to learn and listen and not try to lead. Black people don't want to hear your opinion at the moment. Mm. Right now, they just don't. Now, after a while, after we, after we get what's off our chest, all, then I know that don't sound right, it ain't Christian, but I'm just being real. Some black people are like, okay, now they will have dialogue. I'll give you a prime example. So like the, st- the statue issue, right? Mm-hmm. These monuments. I don't mind white people leading that because it's, it's now what you're saying is I'm standing with them. That's something practical. Like, let's take these statues down. They got to be a reminder every day. That's something that y'all can take the forefront on. What's a stemming issue? How to bring up the black community? That's where we come. That and you can't tell us right now. Now we'll take, we'll you know, we'll take it later on. Like, hey, you can help. Hey, I got some resources. Hey, I can hook, I, I can hook you up um, in a network of people who can help. Those things. This thing is so broad. There's no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where we have the advantage. Those of us who are spiritual, we have the Holy Ghost to download into us what is next. So mm-hmm. my prayer is, Lord, give me the strategy, give me the wisdom that'll give me the strategy that'll cause me to have victory. Mm. One thing I preach real quick. I'm sorry, I'm say, if you don't mind me saying this, that's I'm sorry. fine. Go for it. I preached. I preached this thing. I, I talked about two weeks ago. It's called. It was called Wisdom for the War. And what really got me to preaching that after, it, I forget when it was after, maybe about the floor, George Floyd, I don't know. But it, it literally was Proverbs 24, 4 through 5, he says, um, wisdom is better than strength. Knowledge is better than strength. I like to see as B version, it says that and a wise warrior engages, he's a wise warrior, right? But he said he engages war through wise counsel. Now, New American Standard really is my version. But long story short, you win the war through counsel. But notice what it said. Wisdom and knowledge are better than strength. And I started out talking about how Ali fought George Foreman. And he really, Ali was a four-to-one underdog. But he used the strategy to win. And that's what we have. That's, if, if, I, if I can use the word advantage, we have the advantage through the Spirit of God that give us the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge to let us know to do. He gives us long-suffering, temperance, so we can stand the fight, because this is really what it's going to be. This other thing I meant to tell y'all, and then I know if, Lindsay, I, if, if, you, um, if you need to ask a question to close out, it dawned on me, it dawned on me, and this is where I was about the fight. When I first started this community work over 20 years ago, in particular pastor, my dad said something to me, and we I almost said, nah, you, 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 I'm your son, you don't forget. He said, look, man, the work you're doing, you might not put a hole in it, but put a dent in it. I'm like, man, I'm putting a whole hole in this thing, <laughs> right, because that's me. He said, then pass it along. But I had to realize, my, even though I make this joke, I want to be that. I make the joke by Abraham, like, I mean, like Moses, I'm going to live in 120. But the truth of the matter is, man, this thing might be halfway over for me. If life is spent at 75, I'm 45. It's more than halfway over. I'm hoping I'm getting 80 or 90 out of this. So I'm giving it everything I got, and then I'm going to pass it on. So I don't have time to play. That's where some of us are at right now. Some of us are waking up like, man, my grandma, my granddad, I've been through this. I'm the hell if I'm gonna go through it too now. I'm gonna die trying to get get some get some respect around here. Mm. But also as a 
blood bought Christian. I got to do it the way God said. That don't mean I, I'm not. I'm no pacifist. Let me say that too. I'm no pacifist. Like you hit me, I'll pray for me. Now I'm not going to initiate the violence. Let me say that I'm not going to initiate violence and that. But if you cross the line, then you know I'm gonna send for Lindsay. Ever and Mike, hey, y'all see me some money down here, man. This man hit me first. <laughs> got me. And I, I we used to we used to work out together, and I can I can promise you, you do not yeah. want to hit him. Yeah, you, you don't want to. Yeah, to move back to a, a note in the lens, I, I want to make sure I get you, particularly being the long lady. We just want to make sure, and I'm trying to get that. I just I just want to tell you, just start somewhere. I know that I ain't giving you a point of one, two. Just start. Here was my three-point thing if people want to do it. And then, Lindsay, here you go. I told people at the end of the day, because I had people calling, you know, texting me in the back, and I told everybody, I'm grateful for the text. I thank you. Three things you can do right away. You can lend your voice publicly on your platform, whatever is your platform. Number two, you can literally give your time and your resources to a black organization or movement. Number three is the hardest one, which is what I've been telling everybody. Educate yourself, humble yourself, and be mental. Those three things you can do right away. Yeah, that's great. I'm sorry, Lindsay, go ahead. I know you want No, I think that you summed it up well, because my biggest thing that I say all the time in counseling when people get so paralyzed is we don't need to know the next 10 steps or the next 20 steps. What are you going to do next? Just pick one of the first steps you're going to take. And, and be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Be, we don't have to have it all figured out. Start somewhere. And the three things that you just said are great places for people to start. That's been our theme through this whole thing is, is we have to start somewhere and there's never, never been a better time to start than now. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and waiting till you get all your stuff together, waiting to get yourself uh, fully educated, waiting to like all those waitings, it's just going to prevent you from having a more meaningful, substantive life that that's filled with people and community and, and, and a sense of wholeness. And so start now, uh, what you do matters, how you live your life matters, and you have the chance to change the world just by being, uh, striving for that, that, that holistic rooted person who's, who's with God, with yourself and with others. I want to thank you so much, Dominique. And this has been great. It's just good to be back with you. I miss you. You too, bro. And appreciate you for introducing me to your friends, man. Uh, I got some was, good friends, man. This is right here. This is it. No, I, I yeah. hate it. It had to be this tragedy to get us. Well, we, you and I was talking anyway. We're talking anyway, but That's I right. it would be a tragedy for me to meet Lindsay and Evan. Y'all are, when I pick up, y'all are good people. So I appreciate you. I appreciate the work y'all do. Appreciate this podcast, particularly and the mental health piece. And if I can be a resource or any type of y'all want to just hit me, Mike has my number. So uh, hit me up. You can follow me on Instagram at the Urban CEO. I'm doing like the young people. Love it. Facebook is right. Dominique right. Johnson. <laughs> I love that's that. Right. I, I love plugging yourself at the end. That's, yeah. Well, I was going to. needs I'm, to happen. That's what I was going to try and tee up for. So I'm glad that you, you jumped right in. We really appreciate the conversation and time and, um, 
thanks for taking care of Michael for so many years. He needs it. Uh, and and now he's taking care of Brandon's hole for us too. He's got he's oh got to take care of Brandon good. for us. Yeah. Uh, so so the urban CEO on Instagram is a really good way to connect with everything that you got going on, right? Yeah, yeah. I put my pictures up. I'm not. I don't do the Instagram as well. Let me say this. I do it, but you know. Young, younger people, because I'm young still, younger people stay on IG. I'm still, they say that Facebook is for the older people. So follow me on both. It's just Dominique Johnson on on Facebook, personally. But I, I, there is a, they are, there's a Facebook page for uh, King, Kingdom Life, mm-hmm. Inc. You make sure you put in Making Georgia and the Urban CEO Inc. on Facebook. And uh, my, my personal Instagram is uh, at the Urban CEO. Great. Thanks for sharing that. And everybody too, if you want to connect with Lindsay and anybody on her team, you can obviously do that at seedsofhopecounselingllc.com. So that's seedsofhopecounselingllc.com. If you want to get Lindsay's opinion or get her on a project or anybody kind of on her team and in her circle there, I want to say a Another thanks to Michael and Lindsay for for joining us. And then a quick shout out to Justin Patton, who produces our podcast and does all of the intro music. Uh, Dominique, you haven't heard that. It's great, though. Uh, So thanks again to uh, Justin. Uh, You can get in touch with Justin uh, if you want to work with him on a project or anything like that as well. So thanks, everyone, so much for listening and for tuning in. We really appreciate everything. And don't forget to send us some feedback, questions, thoughts, comments, anything. We, We check them all out. We'd love to hear from you. So you can check us out on our Instagram, uh, Not Alone Pod, and uh, or our website where you pull this RSS feed for the podcast from. So thanks, God bless you. We hope that uh, we are all sustained and have the energy to continue to to fight for what's going on inside of all of ourselves and how that influences the rest of the world around us. Thanks everybody, and we'll see you next time. Like Evan said, thank you again for listening to our show. Before we wrap up, just want to plug a few more things. If you want to find out more about Dominique's uh, nonprofit work, you can go to theurbanceo.org. To find out more about what Michael and Evan are doing in campus ministry, you can go to their website at www.umcommission.org. And last but not least, to find out more about Lindsay's work in counseling, you can go to www.seedsofhopecounselingllc.org. Also, make sure to find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Not Alone Podcast Faith and Mental Health. Thanks. See you next time.